Think about the cultures he finds in the song. He goes to Egypt and captures the sound of a mummy, right? Malenko, all the aesthetics is like Egyptian and then like Middle Eastern vibe. So it's like, right. that's his introduction to starting to find the group. That was most people's introduction to ICP. Yo, it's Hatchet Chat with lures and snacks. You juggalo homies talking hatchet tracks. There's hatchet beats and hatchet raps. The whole catalog's packed full of classic gems. And we talk about them all on, on Hatchet, hatchet Chat. Chat. Woo, woo. But we ain't weak and shoddy. Juggalo and ain't a hobby. This is the fifth Shaggy Two Dope solo project. And we're really excited to talk about it. Hi, I'm MC Lars. What up, y'all? I'm MC Snacks. I hope you guys are excited about all this flavor we're getting late spring. As excited as uh, Lars and I are for it anyway, which is very excited. We're going to be uh, doing some hatchet chats to reflect the new dope stuff that's coming out. Starting with this one, Professor Shags presents... Or no! Oh my gosh, I'm like Manny on the, the Twitch Shaggy show. It's Shaggy Tudo presents Professor Shags and the quest for the ultimate groove. What do you think about this one, Lars? Well, Shaggy's done a lot of solo stuff. And when F Off came out in 94, people were like, this dude can rhyme. And then when FTFO came out, people were like, this dude can rhyme, he's got hooks, and he's got some great beats. When FTFO MF came out, people were like, we're like, oh, and he's got something to say. The Benedict Arnold outro about the twisted stuff. Gloomy Sunday came out. We're like, all right, this guy could put out a tour project. And then this came out and it's like, he could really write songs. And there's a lot of cool themes on this record. The Bloody Sunday record was a great concept record. But like Shaggy delves into a lot of different material than Jay does. And I love this record. What do you think, Snacks? I love it too, man. It... Uh... It, it sounds so good. I know we were talking about, it's one of the first things we talked about, like the, it's crisp, it's clean, like Shaggy sounds so comfortable and confident over these beats. A lot of Shaggy the Airhead uh, production, Trey Pound, Shaggy Tudop himself along with DJ Clay, just a great well-rounded EP. It, it's just a fun listen. It's a cool, it's a really great sounding record. And I want to talk about how like, it has a lot of Memphis trap influence. There's like the schism that happened in trap where you have like the Atlanta trap and then Memphis and like Memphis, you know, is the origin of horrorcore. So like, I want to talk about how that's throughout this record. And that's why I, I love it so much because it's so timeless. So the, the EP, I didn't know this fans submitted the titles via email and then it was voted on during a Twitch stream. Yeah, dude, such a cool way to um, name the EP. Of course, Shaggy is going hard on Twitch, um, the Shaggy show on Twitch, and it's so dope. Uh, and uh, yeah, like that's like a main thing that Shaggy is doing, and he kind of incorporated that into his actual like music output. Juggalos were able to submit, you know, EP name suggestions, uh, sixteen of which were picked, and then on a Twitch. Uh, Shaggy Show stream. The uh, final 16 were voted on, and this was the one that made it. So I thought that was super cool. George Clinton, who ICP love, and tried to get on Malenko, and they sampled on Dog Beats, has had some funny art titles over the years. There's Funkin' Teleki versus the Placebo Syndrome, the clones of Dr. Funkenstein. This feels <laughs> like it could be like a George Clinton album. And at, at the gathering last year when I was doing the uh, graffiti seminar and Shaggy came out and I asked him about his favorite hip hop uh, albums, 
he talked about Africa Bombada and Planet Rock and Renegades of Funk. And those are, I asked about his favorite album, uh, old school hip hop album art pieces. And it's interesting because Planet Rock, the old school image is the, is the dudes in space flying past the planet and it's got like the science fiction vibe. So like it's a crying planet. So like that's an homage to that, I think. And tell these bees from uh, FTFOMF is an interpolation of Planet Rock. That duh. So, right. So it's 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 a little different, and then the Renegades of Funk is like the famous um, superhero album cover, Africa Bombada, that like Shaggy likes that he mentioned at the gathering. So it's like okay, you can see a lot of the influences. I yesterday just just randomly, I'm working on something with Tom Wood, and we were talking about. I told him how much I like the uh, art, and he was like, you know, when I do something for Shaggy, Shaggy's like, it's great, and he's like, Jay always has a thousand suggestions of things to change, but he's like, in the end. He, it doesn't change that much, but Shaggy's always like, it's cool, whatever you want. So like, that's Word. funny. It, look into their, their uh, creative visual art direction, you know? <laughs> it, it is dude. And uh, also it's hard for me to just sweep by the fact that you mentioned Tom Wood <laughs> is doing something. You're doing something with Tom Wood. I don't want to press you on any of that, but I just feel like I can't let that go without hyping it <laughs> up a bit. That's fresh. Yeah, no, he's the man. We we met the gathering and like uh, we're working on something, and he's just a cool dude. The float is gonna be dope. I, I don't want to reveal too much until it's all like inked, but like right. Yeah, Tom Wood nailed the cover art for this because it's yeah. The planet he's crying and the tears are blood, and it's like yeah, dude. It's it's just it's just like it's it's dope and 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 different because when you look at Tom Wood's art, you think of like uh, the wraith with its flowing robe and scary. Malenko, and this is like characters that aren't already in the ICP universe. Obviously, we're showing the art here, and like his left eye is crying, and the blood coming out of there is right in Michigan, it's right in Detroit. So, like, his left eye is in Detroit, and his right eye is like in the middle of the Atlantic. Um, so, Dude, I don't know if that's yeah. intentional, but the Great Lakes, it's like the red drips from the Great Lakes. So, that's tight, man. It's like a shout out to, I don't know, his vision, where they started left to right you know what i mean michigan to the to internationally maybe it's just hell random. yeah dude that is it's, awesome it's, it's tight right so let's talk about the distinction between the memphis trap and atlanta trap real quick i touched on this memphis trap started in the early 1990s and has like the distinctive lo-fi gritty sound tommy wright the third who's like a old school memphis kind of horrorcore artist who i love has some like really dope beats and i feel like that sound of like the 808 with like the bells and the tuned percussion that's almost musical comes from this. And the, one of the main differences between Memphis Trap and Atlanta Trap, Memphis Trap is in more minor keys and has kind of like a, a dissonant vibe where the Atlanta Trap has more like faster tempos, heavy bass, the snappier snares, like hi-hat rolls, and it's got more major key, more of a pop vibe. And it's a little faster. So like T.I., Migos, Future, Young Jeezy, like you have that distinction between it's almost like it's almost like a distinction between like 20th century trap and 21st century trap and and so shaggy's doing like an old school nod and he has like 80s musical vibes on this but it's like also like 90s southern uh homage to some of these classics and like i'll talk about how certain beats remind me of certain um artists that i feel like have influenced icp because you know they did they've done stuff with three six mafia and all that so it's like it's in their it's in their blood but um right. 
this, yeah, you feel me on that. It's an important distinction to make. Totally. Like, and it sounds like, um, especially Devereaux, when we were speaking to him, like, it sounds like he is influenced by a lot of that stuff. And even like the newer group, Suicide Boys, that uh, also throw back to that. And he's been doing that a lot in this production, even with like the pitch down vocal samples. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm sure Shaggy's influence plus like Shaggy the Airhead and Devereaux, I couldn't agree more, man. It's a, it's a dope mix. Let's talk about Clown Boy. Uh, you could, yeah, you want to kick off some knowledge on this one, Snacks? No doubt, man. The EP starts with a banger. Love this track, produced by Shaggy the Airhead, as the first five tracks, I believe first five right in a row, are all produced by Shaggy. Yeah, Shaggy the Airhead. And uh, basically, it just uh, describes this clown boy character in a lot of ways it seems like shaggy is almost referring to himself flexing but he's almost doing it from a third person and clown boy is just this uh, ominous formidable character you know wreaking havoc and stuff uh it's funny too because this title clown boy was actually one of the 16 finalists for the ep name contest and of course shaggy is well known for like referring to everything as boy or boys like if you know, you need like a red marker. You're asking for someone to pass to you. Be like, give me that red boy. Like everything is boy. He said, I remember one time, I believe it was back on the Palcast. He was like, he knew he had a problem when he referred to polar bears as polar boys. So <laughs> I guess uh, that has worked its way into like the, the shaggy streaming lore. So a, a juggalo submitted this name. He liked it enough to at least keep it as an EP track. What are your thoughts on this one, dude? I like the song a lot. What struck me is that the album doesn't start with an intro. All of Shaggy's solo projects, except F Off, and all of ICP stuff usually start with an intro. This goes right, right. into like a full song. And so it's like automatically a deport departure, which I think is cool. That drew, drew my attention. His flow kind of reminds me of Ouija on this a little bit. And his ad libs remind him of Violent J's solo ad libs, where he'll do like some weird melodic Thing echoing in the in the background after it's like it, it, that's interesting it's like his take on the new psychopathic vibe let's talk about the sing the, the one of the singles illuminati don't want me uh it's a very strong song with a funny concept because like the illuminati right the idea that like there's a secret group of people who control the world um almost like the stone cutters on the simpsons right the masons and right. <laughs> they don't want even though icp is legendary they don't want a scrubby like rap star it's part of the Illuminati. It's, it's a really funny concept, you know? It's cool. No doubt, man. I agree. I love it. It's a banger. Like you said, Shaggy's just kind of flexing about how, you know, the the outside world, including the music industry, doesn't really understand the Juggalo world and how he reps for the Juggalos and always will. Dope Song, like you said, was uh, released as the first single uh, as a lead up to this uh, EP. It's the first time in a verse they've done a backronym for Juggalo, right? A backronym is when you take a word and make an acronym based on what you say it stands for. So the second verse, he goes, J is for the da-da-da. And that they never done that. And I was like, oh, this, this is a cool place for that. It was, you, have, you know what I'm saying? They never spelled out Juggalo and then given each letter what it stands for, you know? I didn't think about that. I think you're right, dude. That used to always be my, like, um, go-to and, like, language arts uh, class like if you had to do yeah. a poem and i was do like the acrostic poem it was like the cheapest way to like do a poem at poem <laughs> so <laughs> that's dope but it could be dope when it's done in rap and this is an example of that my friend dj who you met at um 
DCGCon in Denver. When yep. he, he produced so much of my music and like he'd always tell me, he'd be like, Lars, you can't be rapping and spelling things out. Cause that was always something I did. I'd spell out words and like spell them out, make them rhyme, connect them. It was like, you can't do that all the time. So it's like, took ICP 30 years <laughs> to do a juggalo <laughs> spell out thing. Um, there's a line on this that I thought was really dope. He's like, he says, just like Dr. Strange, your story's got no good end. And I was thinking about that, like, you know, the origin of Dr. Strange where he has this career ending accident because he's distracted driving and can't be a surgeon anymore. And it leads to all the magic and craziness that goes through his life. But there's a scene where he has to surrender the title of the Sorcerer Supreme. It happens a few times because he's always like trying to help people in a way that like he misuses his magic to protect others. And Dr. Strange is this really powerful guy who's always kind of like, he's too great for his talent. And he's also like, like uh, misunderstood a lot. And I thought about how like, it's a meta it, that serves as a metaphor for like, maybe Shaggy feels like Dr. Strange, but he's also, he's flexing saying, you're like Dr. Strange, your story's got no good end. But yeah, the idea of Illuminati, black magic, all this stuff. It's just a really clever rhyme. And I was just trying to figure out like specifically, what does he mean? This, your story's got no good end because like, in the MCU, Doctor Strange is chilling and like things work out for him, but his origin story is bad. And so maybe that's like a metaphor for bad things result, end up in good things. I don't know. Because if you're telling someone like they're like Doctor Strange, it's a compliment, but he's using it as a diss, but it's right. also a tight rhyme. I don't know. I thought about that, that a lot. <laughs> yeah, that is tight. That's, that's interesting to think about it now that you mention it. And it's dope too, because, you know, Shaggy did a basically a nerdcore rap lyric, which is fresh. I know. Defy. This one is dope. This track is dope. And I, I want to talk about some philosophy about it, but like talk to talk to me about what you thought about snacks. Yeah, man. Super cool. Cause Shaggy does this sometimes. Like he'll just kind of like do a, a concept that's not super literal. And he kind of plays with the abstract. And basically Shaggy in this is rapping about how he defies all rules, physical and non-physical talking about the chaos his actions bring really kind of hard to nail down in a sentence or two what the song is about, but it comes out as a very fresh result, man. What do you think? Well, I emailed you about this. Like this is the kind of stuff I'll email you like two in the morning. Manichaeism is this um, Gnostic religion from the third century from the prophet Manny. And it's this idea that like the world is divided by darkness and light, which is the constant theme through the dark carnival. And it's like, the dark, the dark carnival and the clowns are like, we might act like we're repping the side of darkness, but really we're on the side of light. And we're trying mm -hmm. to like get into places where angels can't go and then and bring people to the light. That's like a Manichaean vibe of like most of ICP's discography. But this song is interesting because it subverts that dichotomy. And it's about challenging limitations and boundaries. And like his quote, I defy hate, I defy love. It's like he he embodies and defies both of the human uh, extremes of emotions. I defy gravity and all of the above. He also defies the physical laws of nature. I defy joy, I defy pain. He defies just, just the um, understanding of human and human experience. Like I defy joy, I defy pain. He's beyond the duality of like sense of what we sense. You can try hate, you can try love. Basically like you, you, you have to make a choice. But in the end, like he's he's like fronting, like I'm bigger than the duality with which you make your decisions. And I think that right. is just interesting because it's like, I don't know. It's to me, it's symbolic of him 
stepping out from the ICP mode of the Manichaean vibe of Dark Carnival and being like, look, I'm different and like I can do all of these things because the genre and the styles on this record reflect that. I might be reading a lot into it as I tend to do with these lyrics, but like it's it's, it's telling in a really um, interesting intellectual way, these lyrics. I thought, you know what I'm saying? So that's what's up. Yeah, and like- Holler. It's a deep song. I mean, I, I it's not a literal track, so I think that's what's cool about songs like this. It can be interpreted uh, in many different ways. And when you- sent me that manichaeism flavor i was like mind blown that dual like you said that dualism is uh so prominent and whether it's intentional or not as far as like the dark carnival mythology it definitely feels connected yeah man no and it does because it's he's also talking about like he's like he's like you have to make a choice you can try hate you can try love you can try joy you can try pain you're gonna have to like figure out how to like bring the right karma in your life. So it does end up going back to like the Dark Carnival Manichaeist vibe, um, but it's cool. Right. Done giving an F. Tell me about this jam. Dude, I love this song. This might be uh, my favorite, if not at the very least, one of my favorite Shaggy the Airhead beats. Um, and again, just to reiterate, cause we haven't talked about the producers, all these songs so far have been produced by Shaggy the Airhead. And this song is so dope. It was released as the second uh, single leading up to the release what's really noteworthy is the single art we'll show it uh, of course on the screen for the people watching on, on youtube it was actually done by shaggy's daughter um, and you know shaggy uh, himself told the story of this on the twitch stream of the shaggy show you know a few weeks before the ep release but apparently he found a drawing that his daughter did that was like really violent and you know they were like wondering is it a big deal of course like you would you might worry a little bit but ended up not being a big deal it was like something from she seen from like a video game or something so he actually got her to do another violent picture real quick for this ep which is wild crazy crazy ep art crazy song just shaggy going crazy quite literally talking about how he's done caring and he's just committing all kinds of antisocial behavior uh just a banger and again man shaggy's uh shaggy the earheads uh beat is so dope and shaggy too dope just does such a cool job with it again just sounds like he's having fun you know yeah his and it, it, it the beat lets him have a, a unique kind of flow it reminds me of what from bizarre bizarre and it's interesting how twice on this record his battle raps are about drinking. He talks about my back seat has a steering wheel in the center of my car and I've only rolled it three times so far. It's, he's talking about drunk driving and then he fronts about it on the next song too. It's like, he's so he's sober, but he's like, his character's not, which is interesting. The line is my back seat has a steering wheel in the center of the car and I've only rolled it three times so far, twice when I left the bar. So like I'm reading into it, he's implying that he drank. Maybe he didn't, but you know, maybe, I mean, if you roll in your car, leaving a bar, you probably not because yeah, you saw I think the squirrel. character in that definitely was drinking. Yeah, I mean he's done giving an F. Exactly. Yeah, and like again, going back to when him putting himself in the mindset of what would it be like to not care anymore, it probably would be an addict, you know, relapsing. How you been? That's another dope track again, uh, produced by Shaggy the Earhead. Last one that was produced by Shaggy the Airhead. And this is a cool song. I can't wait to hear what you think about it, Lars, because it's basically Shaggy 
catching up the listener on what he's been doing over the past years. I know you dug the Malenko reference in the first verse, The House of Horrors. Uh, and that is that drinking reference. We were talking about the drinking reference in this song. Uh, you know, uh, catch him chilling, in his, uh, drinking a beer in his underwear. And uh, the chorus is kind of interesting. I wanted to get your thoughts on that too, because it almost seems like Shaggy expressing his distaste for small talk, which almost reminds me of memories off of FTFO, because in that song, like Shaggy's talking about how he's like talking to a bunch of people and he's like having a hard time remembering the encounters they're describing and stuff. And it's almost like the second, uh, the chorus in this song is like he's just not that interested in what someone else has to say. And he keeps telling you about himself. So what do you think of this song? I mean, I think it's executed perfectly, but again, one of those more abstract concepts, no? Yeah. And it's got the rolling 808, like the synth sound is adds is the drum machine sound is like a synth that propels. So this one is very much got that Memphis vibe. It makes right. me think of two classic indie rap songs. One of them is Blah, Blah, Blah from Brother Ali from Shadows on the Sun, where it's where he's talking about being backstage and people are just like trying to promote themselves. And he says, uh, y'all need to listen and look. He goes, y'all need to listen and look and just follow. When we open for y'all, it's still our show. You're talking to me like blah, 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 blah. It's just like, that's like a class. I always love that because it's like, when right. you're on tour, you always have to make small talk with people, especially when you're like a, a rapper at their level, because every person who meets them wants something from them. So they're trying right. to flex and like compare their status and like, I've got status. There's a Watsky song called IDGAF. I don't right. give an F. Do you know that one? Yep. And it's like, it's like, let me tell you about my job and my car and my boyfriend. I don't give an F. Like, it's like, it's funny because it's the verses are shaggy telling a story and the chorus are him say, basically saying, I don't really care about your story, but it's, but it's funny. Cause it's like how you been like, I'm asking you cause I'm trying to be polite, but you're annoying right. and I don't really care. So it's like the clown makeup is a mask of having to like exist in the entertainment business. This song is like a psychological parallel to that, how it exists, having to be a social person in, in a very, in an industry where it's very dehumanizing and like, there's a lot of crap and a lot of energy vampires. So he's gonna, how are you doing? But like, he's got to talk about all the crazy stuff he's doing as a way to like, make sure he's dominating the conversation and not getting asked for favors. So anyway, that's my 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 psychologist uh, perspective on that song. Okay, so This Ain't That B, produced by Trey Pound. Talk about this one, Snacks. Man, dope track. First one on the EP that's uh, not produced by Shaggy the Earhead, as you mentioned, produced by Trey, uh, Trey Pound. Very dope uh, beat, and it uh, basically is Shaggy uh, talking about how he stands out from other people and other rappers in kind of an exaggerated way. So kind of a, a simple concept that you can use to uh, basically flex. It's basically like a track where he's flexing, and it's really dope. There's a super cool Carnival of Carnage sample in the hook. On the mm. last song, we got that dope Malenko reference House of Horrors. Of course, this now we got a Carnival of Carnage uh, sample. And uh, like some of the lyrics are super dope too because they're true. Like Shaggy has been, he's a fixture in, you know, not just underground rap, but pop culture. So a lot of the flexes he have kind of revolve around his staying power and uh yeah. consistent flavor i thought that was cool how about you 
Well, I mean, it's interesting because like you, the Carnival Carnage sample is 90s and you throw that over a 90s Memphis trap beat. It's dope because it's the same era. And then right. it's like, it's like, oh, he's referencing this old school musical aesthetic of which he helped popularize horrorcore that started in Memphis that made all these millennials and like younger people check for it. Marshall McLuhan, we, we referenced him before. He's a Canadian pop culture philosopher who talks about how the medium is the message. That's powerful when you're sampling a genre that you help popularize and then putting your take on it. And back in the 90s, Memphis rappers weren't checking for ICP. But now, like, if if you're a Memphis rapper and, and Shaggy does a verse for you, like, you've made it. And I love the lyrics. I love the, the punk rock anti-authoritarian vibe in the second verse. I'm a fiend and free to flee the restraints from the corporate machine. And then he's dissing people who have major label deals who have to, like, play the TikTok game and and and... and shill whatever the labels are telling them to shill, shill. Learn to lip sync, play your part. Then you can get one of them on the charts with right. a dart. And so that's like a number one with the dart B, you sold out your art. So number one with a bullet means it's something that's racing to the top of the charts. So, so yeah, I like that chart, art, dart, a lot of internal rhymes and, and saying number one with a dart instead of saying a bullet implies that he's like a heat seeker on the, him and they're going to be taken out because it's not real staying power. Man, that is dope. And it's funny because like, you're right. Those are some heavy lyrics. Like ICP, they've kind of um, uh, dissed the the mainstream in a lot of theatrical ways. Usually, like shooting stars on Mighty Death Pop, uh, shocking off of Cryptic Collection Three. But you're right. Like this is more of a grounded kind of real uh, insight into you know what uh, independent careers like versus a mainstream career. You're you're right, man. That's those lines are dope. Uh, yeah, 10 Juggalos is priceless. That is literally like nerdcore, not to like flex on my own subgenre, but like all the all the business moves I've made and I think the dudes with staying power and women and non-binary people in the scene with staying power have made is that idea like you double down on the few fans and that's what gives you staying power. And right. that's that's like how you do it. You got to be outrageous and 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 consistent and you're not trying to chase that chart right you know what i'm saying it goes without saying like that cult following is priceless and a lot of artists industry artists try and get it and the labels try and basically manufacture these grassroots movements because of how much value there is in it but little do they know it has to happen organically and the juggalos is uh, you know that that's as organic as it gets, man, and and as dedicated as it gets, and it's so cool to hear Shaggy all these years rapping about it. Yeah, no, it's like this is like his 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 punk rock one hundred and one NBA and business course for young rappers. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's like what Kuma was talking about last episode about you do it for the culture, you do it for the love of the music, and you you do it for the craft. Like MC Chris made this interesting metaphor. Back when I was like doing more stuff with him, we were on tour in England and he said something like, when you're a craftsman, it's like, it's like the honor of becoming really good at designing a shoe. You spend 30 years and you're like, oh, this person in this village in the olden days makes the perfect leather shoe. They spent their whole life, it's their craftsmanship and you get better and better and better and better at this one thing. This person's not trying to like work for Nike and run a factory, they're trying to right. make a really good shoe. And that's what Chris did with like Star Wars rap and his specific lane and like, using the longevity from Aqua Teen to like do that stuff. And like, just, 100%. just, he got really good at 
being MC Chris. And that has worked for him. And like, that's, yeah, that's kind of, that's like the thing with like the attention economy that people don't want to talk about and like, don't really think about that. Like there's something to be said for sticking around. That's what mm-hmm. like, I feel like I've, I'm totally, I feel like I'm name dropping and I don't mean to, but when I, when I saw Weird Al last time, we were talking about like what it's, when I was in LA and I had coffee with him, we were talking about like what it's like to not give up. And like, even when you have ups and downs and obviously his trajectory is like light years beyond anyone, but that there's something to be said for not quitting because you just love the craft so much that you just stick around no matter what. Right. And you can, and then people can't ignore you. Now he's an institution. They make movies about him, his life and ICP too. And like, these are the heroes. But like, if they, if, if someone you love has a hit, like good for them and it's all good. Some people might be, might hate ICP. A lot of people hate nerdcore. A lot of people don't like underground stuff. That's that's dope. Whatever you know. Anyway, tangent. Hell yeah, man! But it's it's so <laughs> true. And yeah, man. Like I just love how ICP is finally getting their props because of their staying power, and that's the good thing out of all this, you know. And the underground industry is constantly changing as well, and it doesn't come without its downsides. Being independent, but. Yeah, man, I think uh, there's a lot to talk about this song because it's almost like a case study into that difference between underground and uh, not underground. But you know, the what? The, the, literally the one thing that makes this all possible is when they drop bangers like this, records like this every once in a while. Because if exactly. your music falls off, you know, everyone is hit or miss. But like when you come with a, with a song like this, it, re- it resonates with that whole thesis of like doing your own thing and having stadium power uh, pays off. But if you drop like, 10 years of whack records, people are going to stop checking for you, you know? Dude, yes. And man, like another thing with being underground, like age, I don't think as big as a factor either, right? Because like in, you know, the the mainstream, you know, whatever you call it, youth is a big part, especially in music. But in the underground, you got those cult following, uh, you know, fans, jugglers, whatever you call them, like it you don't have to worry so much about that because they're going to ride for you no matter what, eh? Yeah, I mean, these rap, they're 50. Tech is 50. ICP's <laughs> yeah. 50. Weird, Weird Al's in his 60s. Like, KRS-One is, is getting up there. But the thing, here's the thing that's unique about the underground in hip-hop. It's like, hip-hop is a relatively new genre. Like, right. the oldest rappers are in their 70s, really. <laughs> right. maybe, maybe early 80s. And they're still alive. And so, there were never old rappers because rap wasn't that old. Right. And rapper and the and the famous rappers would like it's sad a lot of them would die young so like you never got to see an age so now we're seeing this this thing where like this postmodern culture from the late 20th century has become globalized and music and pop will always focus on youth like that's the hip and hip hop right like the young because right. young people pay a lot of money and there's a lot of money in in youth and beauty and all that but uh yeah, underground juggalos don't care if you're violent grandpa. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's fine. Uh, it's my first, I'm doing a festival in Montreal. It's my first show after turning 40 that I played. And that's fine. I'm a 40-year-old rapper. I'm like, it's cool. I never thought I'd be doing it this this long. But it's hell like a yeah. milestone for me, you know? And I'm still doing festivals and it's still fun as hell. So let's let's go. Let's roll yeah. to the wheels wheels fall off. Dude, that's what it's all about, man. You got that staying power. Me personally, I'm betting on my youth and beauty. Specifically <laughs> my beauty, I think is what's gonna get me to the top. You've got the staying power. You've been doing this for a minute and you've got you you're just getting started, bro. Hell yeah. yeah. 
Um, I mean, it's a quest. It's a quest for yeah. an ultimate groove. Wait a second. What's track seven? Man, love this track, dude. And this is the, like, I've been looking forward to this all day because I know you got a lot to talk about with uh, this track, and I'm going to let you do so. I'll just basically give a quick background <laughs> on it. Basically, first of all, it's part one of two title track, which is crazy. I don't know any album that had like a two-part title track with like one track as the first half of the title and the second track as the second half. Thought that was noteworthy, super dope. Uh, this and the final track are produced by DJ Clay and Shaggy Too Dope. The only other thing I want to say is that I just thought it was cool how Shaggy didn't go a super straightforward route. Like, it would have been, like, not, not that there's anything wrong with doing that, but I pictured, like, him telling the story of him going to, like, I don't know, different places around America, getting, like, the coolest beats from a drum machine or something. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't this, which is the story of a guy with a magical box who collects screams and is going to all kinds of places around the world collecting screams from mythological beings and uh, to eventually make the ultimate groove, which uh, I won't spoil that how it happens. But yeah, Lars, dude, what do you think about this track? Well, the first thing that struck me is that it's like, you know, on Mad Professor from Jekyll Brothers, it's yeah. really a J, a J solo song at the end. He creates Shaggy, you know, right. and Shaggy's just like, what up, y'all? This could be a sequel to that. So Jay's made this this guy. He is the protege who's his own professor, who's now doing his own mad science. So I feel like this could be a sequel to that. Um, Didn't even this, make that connection. That's dope. <laughs> this fits a long line of very special sort of subgenre of songs. On the last tour, Schaefer and I were on. We had like a seven-hour drive. And we spent the whole drive discussing songs that fit this um, fit this context. So it's a song where the chorus of the song is referential to a song itself. So the song acts as a metonymy. I use that word like all the time on this on this show. A metonymy being something that refer references something else, right? So like an example would be Purple People Eater. Do you know that song? It's like an old 60s song. Uh, it's about a space alien. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and the chorus is what the Purple People Eater is singing. So the song is within a song. My song, Signing Emo, about hearts to hate for those of you who don't know it's a 20 year old song that wrote about this emo band and then the chorus is the chorus of the band and the verses tell their story and how the music industry treats them so like right. the the chorus is a chorus from something else um radio kill switch was this Schaefer the dark lord song where it's about these guys who are marooned on this raft and they have this stare this radio and it only picks up one channel and it's a station that plays the same song over and over again and that's the chorus of the song and the verses are about them going crazy like that song is fresh but tight an icp song that's done this before is haunted bumps from the tempest i think and yep. it's a na 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 the stereo is the chorus and the verse is about what he's doing with it so it's it's the context the, the it's the deconstruction thing where you take a song, write a song about that. So in this, Shaggy's reverse engineering it and trying to fit the musical elements together to find the ultimate groove, which then manifests itself in the song. So it's a song about a song, and it's not necessarily the hook throughout, but it, it's built up to reference that. So it follows this right. very specific set of songs that I think is really, 
really cool. This artist, John Allison Weiss, this song called Back To Me is another one. Anyway, you can check it out. It's just a cool type of songwriting that I love. So do you want me to like dive into how I feel like this is a metaphor for ICP's career and the ultimate groove and how it specifically fits Shaggy's place in ICP? Dude, I would love to hear it, man. Take us to school. Okay, so with that long preamble, so he fights a mummy, a vampire, a demon, and a man with a curse, and he finds a holy man at the Devil's Tower, which is reminds me of Close Encounters. He captures the sound that comes out of it in a magic box, and he releases it into the Earth's core, and the ultimate groove is found. So here is here are things that like reflect ICP's career. So it's a global journey. So Shaggy's going around the world trying to find different musical styles to influence to find the ultimate groove. ICP has explored many genres and different indigenous cultures throughout the Dark Carnival. They've mixed a lot of sounds like uh, hip hop, rock, you know, like Memphis trap, modern music. They've faced a lot of challenges. ICP has faced a lot of challenges. Shags is facing a lot of challenges. Criticism being panned by, by the hipster press for not understanding magnets. The horror elements, the mummies, the vampires, the demons, and the magic box, which I feel like, I think about Riddle Box. I think about uh, just like all all the all the elements in ICP where it's like you can capture something special, and when you when it tries to let go, that gives you suffering. Like like in my room from uh, from uh, Hell's Pit, like angels are falling. When you find love, it's really painful to leave it. So you're trying to hold it, but music is something that won't ever leave you. But you when you want it to leave you in the right way it can be life-changing. So he releases the groove into the earth and it symbolizes ICP's music. But like, whereas like Violent J's perspective has always been about like trying to figure out the pop culture and the musical musical aesthetics that have um, defined ICP, Shaggy's always more about like connecting it with the roots of hip hop. So I feel like that's why he add, he's finding the groove, whereas Violent J is kind of like the melody, the vocals, the lead, Shaggy is always like the chords, the harmony, holding it down in a way that allows that to, to like to keep going. Like that's why I feel what, where, how I feel like it sums up a lot of ICP's career and Shaggy's role in ICP. What do you think? Yeah, dude, it is so funny because ICP, of course, like you know, Violent J and Shaggy, they play two different roles, and that's a really dope analysis of those roles. And then when he has the groove him dropping to the earth like I, I didn't know what the significance of that was but uh that kind of makes sense too like him connecting it back to the roots and you know where hip-hop and everything came from so i think that's tight well it's like the like you know i i work with a lot of artists in my lit hop academy program which is like a mentorship thing i do and i'm always telling them don't be too precious with what you create like keep creating right. let it go and so this is like what Kuma was talking about, what we were talking about, is like letting go of the ego. We're here on this earth for a short time. You find something beautiful, you let it go, and you put it back in the earth, and that's how your legacy becomes sustained. And specifically, like it, just briefly, I don't want to go too deep into it, but think about the cultures he finds in the song. He goes to Egypt and captures the sound of a mummy, right? Malenko, all the aesthetics is like Egyptian and then like Middle Eastern vibe. So it's like right. that's his introduction to starting to find the group. That was most people's introduction to ICP, the Egyptian right. aesthetic with Malenko. Right. He goes to Transylvania to get the sound of a vampire. Um, uh, nothing's left, 
on the day when the wagons come, I just pray that they let me out. That I always felt like that was an aesthetic connection to the Dracula mythology and the Transylvanian Romani of the uh, of the the nomadic people in the wagons from Transylvania. That whole idea that like they say gypsy, which isn't the right term. I think that's like a problematic term now. But the idea that like vampires, the vampire culture comes from that Transylvania vibe. So that's 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 uh, Jekyll Brothers, like their mainstream peak. And then going to Japan to find the sound of a demon. I think about Yum Yum Bedlam, how they find their footing with the second deck of Joker's cards and and like, you know, fighting the demon of, of what it means to keep the longevity going. And then going to Africa, getting the sound from the cursed man, like hip hop has its roots through the griots that came to Southeast US through the slave trade, right? Like right. black music has a roots in Africa. So going back to the origins of hip hop, the back of the American pain, the back, the, the, the pain and, and everything that's given American music, it's, it's like its identity. And then the devil's tower, right? Like at the end of uh, Close Encounters, that's where they communicate with music through the aliens and the way that they're able to find global harmony is going back and forth with that melody. And so it's like, that's where he finds peace and it makes sense of all this. And then he comes back and puts it into the earth's core. So it's like, that's like what he's had to go. And then it's like the prescient metaphor of going underground again. That's how ICPs kept their, kept yeah, going. Yeah, I didn't think of that one either. Yeah, the underground metaphor. That's dope. So yeah, that's what's up. And the Devil's Tower, I think about, you know, there's a lot of psychopathics from outer space and like extraterrestrial vibe, which is like their mixtape underground culture era of their touring. So it's like, it touches on all their themes. It might just be because it's like, Jungian um, archetypes that that people always think about, but like it's a specific like painting of ICP's career. I bet Shaggy would like say, "Oh yeah, yeah, Lars, that's what I meant." And I'm sure it's it's like kind of like we're reading a lot into it, which we love to do. But yeah, I thought that's that, what that, yeah, that's man, dude, that's it's what tight. Hatcher Chat's about, man. And I was gonna bring up to you. Well, also first off, shout out to Shaggy's Japanese folklore knowledge as well, because like he referenced three different spirits i think uh w w like um in in the third verse yokai uh hanyas and onis and i looked them up they're all like three different spiritual japanese folklore entities and i was gonna ask you too dude because i know like we you schooled me on like faustian legend and stuff does this uh, yeah. give you any of those vibes because he's like going to almost the occult you know, uh, or the, the spiritual side, trying to encapsulate it for the purpose of the ultimate groove, like almost got that Faust kind of um, Daniel Johnson, or not Daniel Johnson, Robert Daniel Johnson. Webster. Yeah, like he's selling his soul to get this. He's having to make right. these deals with these occult figures. You remember in Behind the Paint when, when Jay talks about having his panic attacks and he's like trying to make a deal with God and God's like, you're traveling around the world spitting these horror lyrics, like hooking up with juggalettes, like, and now you want to go good, like, good luck. Right. Like this idea that, uh, that, that if you play with the dark side enough, even when you're in there as kind of like an emissary to try to like have this manichaeistic flip, you're still, yeah, having to sell part of your soul. It's like right. wrestling's fake, but these wrestlers still like have a hard time walking at 80 if they survive, yeah. right? Like it takes a toll. So that takes us to track eight, the final track, which is the second half of the title track, The Ultimate Groove, once again produced by DJ Clay and Shaggy Too Dope. And basically, you know, the, the track before leads right into it once 
Professor Shags drops the magic box into the earth, and supposedly this is the ultimate groove, and it's just super kind of heavy, bass-heavy, banging track. Um, kind of has chance almost to referencing some old school rap again, like you were mentioning, Lars. Almost like the chants are almost like I don't know, like two live crew or something. But it is over more of a new school trap beat as well, with some of that mixture of the old and new flavor. Uh, and just Shaggy's just talking about how it's the ultimate groove. What are your thoughts on this one? It's a fun closure to the record. It doesn't really have much of a theme other than like Shaggy's rapping about how he's tight, but it's it's a fun song. You know, it's like it, it rounds out the record well. And uh, 10 out of 10, I would recommend this album. Agreed. I, I've been playing Illuminati Don't Want Me For My Son, and he likes that song in the <laughs> car. So they're touring, right? But separately this year. Yes, that's right. So that's what's one fresh thing that we can talk about real quick as we close out the episode. It was announced a few years back, of course, made headlines, not just in Juggalo news, but music industry news as well. Violent J announced that he had a heart condition, AFib. So they were planning to slow down. Uh, They were still going to do like their annual events. And they said roughly one show a month, but they were going to stop touring as hard as they did and actually do a farewell tour. Now, that got totally blown out of proportion in and outside of the Juggalo universe because even Juggalos, you know, were commenting like, oh my God, I can't believe ICB aren't playing shows anymore. When the announcement was clear as day from the beginning, it's just they weren't going to be touring on that level. But even that seems to not be the case anymore because like you just mentioned shaggy and violent J both got pretty substantial solo tours going of course uh, shaggy's doing a tour to support this album it's called the quest for the ultimate groove tour and violent J is doing the three-headed monster tour with ouija mac and isham which we're going to be covering their dope release obliteration on the next episode very soon so stay tuned for that but um one other thing i wanted to mention in regards to this topic violent J was on a Juggalo podcast. Uh, shout out to Thuggalo Show. He was actually a guest. They had him on for an interview. They have a dope show, tons of cool guests. And Violet J was on there, and they asked him about all kinds of different stuff. And one of the things they asked him about was his health. And he said that his AFib is actually, for the time being, resolved. They can't even detect AFib. They went in um, with a procedure that basically... Um, fixed his AFib now that he said that it could come back but right now he's like a totally normal person which makes sense because he's doing you know a legit tour so maybe that farewell tour is no longer planned I don't really know but it's uh, dope that we get to see some of that touring flavor interesting and I mean it's like obviously they're doing the gathering and uh, yeah that's interesting man well we'll keep we'll keep everyone updated we'll talk about the three-headed monster next episode And thank you for listening. This was a fun episode. Whoop, whoop. I'm MC Lars. I'm MC Snack.